Let's commence today's show getting uh, retired General Dana Pittard's take on the tactics both sides are now using as the war between Israel and Hamas sadly continues to escalate. General Pittard, good to have you on the program, sir. How are you today? Uh, good morning, Tavis. It's great to be here. And uh, I like what you said. It wasn't supposed to be here. Yeah. It's uh, where, I, where I would be. Where yeah. would I be? There you go. There you go. <laughs> if, if, if generals can say that, then surely all the rest of us can say that. But I, I think, as I said a moment ago, before I jump too fast, as I said, I think, General, that's a, that's a universal story, particularly for so many of us African-Americans, yourself included, of course, um, because, uh, again, as I intimated, the forces of darkness and racism and discrimination, so many things designed just to keep us out of the spaces that we occupy. And certainly black folk don't become generals every day. Uh, and so, again, um, we are, many of us, not supposed to be where we are. I look forward to that conversation in our third hour. Uh, but I think, again, it's a universal theme that resonates with most of us. And I, I'm not at all surprised, but 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 grateful to hear you say uh, that you were in that crowd as well. Many of us are who have uh, who've achieved against uh, uh, some pretty steep odds. So uh, I'm delighted to have Amen, uh, Tavis. There you go. Amen. There you go. There you go. Reti- <laughs> honored to have this retired general on, on our program. Let me jump right in now. Um, this thing, this war, uh, Israel and Hamas, um, is, again, unabated. Uh, and I want to talk to you about how you see the, the strategies being played out on both sides. Let me start with this. We, we know that the ground defensive um, that Israel promised weeks ago, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister, said, and I quote, we are going to crush and destroy Hamas, going to crush and destroy them. I'm not sure that's possible, but that's what he said. It reminds me of George W. Bush, who said, we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, erase, <laughs> erase evil. Uh, we're going to get rid of, um, uh, of, of, uh, of terrorism. Well, you can't. I, as I said many times, I think you can get rid of a terrorist, I-S-T. You cannot get rid of terrorism, I-S-M. So BB suggesting he's going to crush and destroy Hamas. I'm not so sure that's possible. But this ground offensive that has been delayed, uh, certainly uh, while Joe Biden was in their country, um, has still not taken place as yet. They're attacking from the air. But we're told it's just a matter of time before that ground offensive begins. Here's my first question. Um, I'm thinking of Ukraine and Russia. Russia rolled into Ukraine and everybody just assumed that Russia was going to roll over Ukraine. Here we are over a year later. And that war is still going on. Ukraine did not get rolled by Russia. And I'm not so sure that uh, with all these uh, tunnels uh, that I've been reading about, this underground tunnel network that Hamas has, that Israel is going to go in with a ground offensive and just roll over Hamas. That's my read. What's your take? You're the general. Well, as you know, I've uh, been intimately involved, certainly with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I've been to Kiev. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to Gaza City. Uh, but the Israeli campaign against Gaza really has already begun mm-hmm. uh, with the targeting of the Hamas leadership. Uh, the Israelis are trying to cut the head off of Hamas and get all their command and control nodes. The bombardment of Gaza uh, by uh, Israeli fighter bombers and artillery have been a part of that. Uh, the bombardment is the, the largest bombardment of Gaza uh, on record at this point. They've had special operations attacks and cyber attacks against Gaza, psychological operations against Hamas, intelligence operations, that what has not occurred yet is the ground invasion. Um, and when the ground invasion begins, uh, again, I've been to Gaza, it is densely populated. Mm-hmm. It'll be a tough, tough urban fight, um, building by building, block by block, street by street. Um, and it'll be three different levels. It'll be subterranean, which is they've got 
about 300 miles worth of tunnels mm -hmm. uh, throughout Gaza, especially under Gaza City. Um, it'll be above ground, again, street by street, and then even higher with the high-rises and having to uh, go through buildings. Let, so let, we, me, let me cut in at that point then. I, I hear those three things, a subterranean, uh, above ground, and these high-rises. I, I want to give you a chance to unpack that when we come forward. We're talking with retired U.S. Army Major General Dana Petard on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Do you? He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. There are reports today that uh, Bibi Netanyahu, I, who I mentioned earlier, has angered uh, his uh, military chiefs uh, because, in fact, he has delayed invasion of Gaza to uh, eliminate, or as he put it, to crush and destroy Hamas with many Western allies, of course, uh, in the EU uh, and beyond, pushing for a ceasefire. Um, so he's delayed this this ground offensive. But uh, again, uh, we're told these military generals are not happy with him. So they're they're itching. They're chomping at the bit uh, to get in uh, and to engage <clears throat> this ground offensive that, as General Dana Petard, I guess, uh, at the at the moment uh, suggests to us, will be fought on three different levels, subterranean, uh, above ground and high rises. General Petard, take it away. Well, it'll be a very tough fight. In fact, the uh, uh, Israeli Defense Forces uh, IDF uh, will be attacking from the north, uh, from the east, and possibly even from the west, from the sea. Um, I understand that the Israeli generals are chopping up the bit to go in, uh, but you know wars are fought for political end states, not just for revenge. Mm -hmm. So ideally what the Israeli leadership must be thinking about is what's going to happen post-Hamas. Um, can you take out a terrorist organization like Hamas? Yes, you can. Um, I was leading the fight against ISIS back in 2014. Mm -hmm. It can be done. Hamas is a little bit different. Hamas is also a part of the structure that runs the country in Gaza. Um, so Israelis have to have an answer for that. What does that look like? What, what does the peace look like after uh, this fight against Hamas? Um, I know there's concern uh, from uh, the Israeli administration of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, who I've met years ago. Um, and that is, if c committing to Gaza uh, with all the forces that they have, what happens to the north if Hezbollah starts moving mm -hmm. into Israel? Mm -hmm. um, so they're looking at a lot of things. They're looking. They're concerned for both the Israeli and international hostages. Um, they want to make sure that they are, in fact, fully mobilized, which I think they are now. Um, and they also want to achieve some level of tactical surprise. Everybody in the world knows they're coming in, yeah. but it's got to be at the IDF's choosing and location so what, what are the chances to your point about hezbollah uh, uh and uh awaking uh, uh, that 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 sleeping bear if you will uh, what are the chances that hezbollah and these other arab states um just sit idly by and just watch israel roll through um killing all kinds of people we're told this morning uh from a gaza source of course that over five thousand palestinians uh, have been killed already over five thousand we're told um, have been killed already. So what are the chances that these other Arab states, or that Hezbollah for that matter, just sits idly by and just watches Israel just roll through uh, Palestine? I think for Hezbollah, it's maybe 50-50. Mm -hmm. um, and Hezbollah's uh, big sponsor, obviously, is Iran, their funding. But Hezbollah is much more dangerous than Hamas. They're much more lethal than Hamas. They have, uh, what's been reported, 150,000 rockets and missiles 
there in southern Lebanon, poised at, at Israel. So I'd say it's 50-50 with Hezbollah. Yeah. Other countries getting involved directly, uh, probably less so, but certainly indirectly through proxies. And Iran has shown their capability by attacking um, uh, U.S. bases in Syria, two of them, with uh, their proxies, and with Shia militias in Iraq with their proxies. Even having the Houthis, who they sponsor in, in Yemen, uh, firing missiles towards Israel uh, that were intercepted by the U.S. Navy. Mm-hmm. So I raised this issue earlier of Ukraine, and you, you referenced your, your involvement, of course, um, and your having visited uh, Kiev. Um, is there a comparison um, that, that can or should be made here? Again, for those who may have just tuned in, I mentioned earlier that many of us thought when Russia rolled into Ukraine over a year ago, they would just you know steamroll this little country. It didn't quite happen that way, and the Ukrainians, of course, with a lot of U.S. aid and other countries supporting them, have fought back. Uh, I don't suspect that Hamas is going to get the kind of support that Ukraine did to fight the war. But again, uh, as I've been reading about this uh, this uh, unique and intricate uh, underground tunnel of networks, um, to your point, it's going to be a serious urban fight. And I'm wondering whether or not we should prepare ourselves for Israel not just to, to roll through and to declare victory in, in 72 hours. Well, obviously, there's some some big differences. I mean, uh, Ukraine didn't go into Russia and kill you know nearly 1,400 civilians and mm-hmm. murder them, brutally kill them, and children. Indeed, um, the the Russian invasion of Ukraine was um, um, was not expected, and it was a surprise, and it was just naked aggression on the part of uh, President Putin. So that, that there's certainly a difference there. Sure. With Hamas, the fact that Hamas attacked Israel, brutally killed civilians, um, is one thing. Uh, but there is something called morale. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain desperation um, with uh, not just Hamas, but Palestinians living in Gaza, um, because of how they've been treated uh, for, for decades, um, their living conditions and everything else, where it's, well, what else do we have to lose? Um, when you're fighting someone who, has, who thinks they have nothing to lose, very dangerous. So if Israel narrowly focuses on taking out Hamas as a terrorist organization, they can be successful. Um, but it must be in the context of there's got to be a peace at the end of this. There's got to be a two-state solution. There's got to be treating the Palestinian people with respect. And I'm not sure that's occurred Mm. Um, so we are seeing news reports uh, for the last few days, every day, of Hamas releasing hostages. Um, you mentioned the brutal attack that they waged uh, inside of Israel's border. No question about that. This is what got this whole thing started, this time around at least. Uh, but Hamas has been releasing hostages. Um, and uh, these hostages have been saying, as, as recently as today, that they were held in tunnels, but they were treated well. They were offered medical aid, uh, uh, health care products. Uh, but Hamas is now releasing hostages by the day. Uh, to my mind, that makes it even more difficult, never mind the fact that Netanyahu, Netanyahu has angered his, his, his military generals and chiefs by not advancing this ground offensive, as he promised. But when you're releasing hostages every day, it raises two questions. Number one, for those who are calling for a ceasefire, that's evidence uh, uh, making their argument better. That the reason you want to cease fire is they're releasing hostages every day. And now is not the time to be doing a ground offensive when they are releasing uh, civilians. Uh, the second argument that it raises, obviously, and I'm no general, I'm just a talk show host, but I'm, I'm not stuck on stupid. The second argument that it makes uh, pretty, pretty clearly uh, is that if you delay this ground offensive, perhaps you can get more innocent civilians released, get them out 
of harm's way. So again, with these increased calls for a ceasefire, with Hamas releasing hostages, it becomes more difficult, not impossible, but more difficult, never mind how upset his generals are, for Netanyahu to immediately move forward with this ground offensive. That's my gaming. But again, I'm not a general. What do you make of that argument? Well, there's a couple things on that. Uh, first of all, Hamas is manipulating the world right now mm-hmm. uh, by releasing hostages like a drip driplets out. Uh, they could continue this if it's two a day uh, for 100 days. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be a problem for the readiness uh, where Israel is trying to go as far as um, invading. Um, but there is something to be said about delaying the ground offensive until enough civilians have evacuated the area so you can get innocent civilians out of the crossfire, uh, get them down to the south, uh, help those who want to leave go to the Rafah crossing with Egypt and work with them and getting aid to them also. Because uh, unfortunately, it's the civilians who will get caught in the crossfire, and you, you just don't want that. Um, Hamas is still going to be there. Um, but of course, Hamas knows that as long as they are giving up hostages, Israel and the Israel Defense Forces have to pause. So there's a dilemma there. Um, at some point, if Israel wants to go ahead and invade, they're going to have to say, we're going to invade, um, and the hostages, we will do our best to get them. But we cannot wait. Yep. Um, we'll see what happens. What, what's 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 you you've been uh, again a, a general uh, retired now, but general for uh, for a while, of course, and in the armed forces and the army for a, for a, for a good a good number of years, obviously. What what's your view of what happens in these meetings when a head of state like uh, Bibi Netanyahu in Israel uh, is having a tete a tete with his generals who want to do, in this case, they want to, they want to move quickly on this ground offensive, but whether it's this or something else, it's not always the case that the head of state and his military generals agree. Uh, what, what can you say uh, about what happens in moments of tension like that at the highest levels of governance? Well, in this case, similar to the U S it's civilian control of the military. Mm-hmm. So the military will give its, you know, best advice, um, as to, to proceed, and then it's up to the head of state, um, the chief executive, uh, to, to actually make the call. And from Prime Minister Netanyahu, he's in a tough position. First of all, uh, the vast majority of the Israeli uh, population blames him and his government for the surprise and for mm-hmm. the attack mm-hmm. uh, by Hamas. Um, so in the back of his mind, he's thinking that also. Um, he knows that no matter what happens with the invasion, and even if they are successful defeating Hamas, they still have a problem in their hands, and that is what to do with Gaza and the Palestinian state. Um, so ideally, ideally, I'm not saying they're doing this, mm-hmm. but ideally they're working out what we call, call the phase five piece of this, which is post-combat operations, mm-hmm. which is how do you help set up the government, how do you help the people, and I'm not sure Israel is prepared for that right now. Yeah. If Israel has just experienced, as many have suggested, if they've just experienced their version of our 9-11, then what did we learn from 9-11 that Israel should, could, ought to apply to its present situation? What I think some things that we learned is um, making decisions in anger um, can have consequences, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we did invade Afghanistan um, 
But when we said that not only would we hold al-Qaeda responsible, but we would hold anyone who housed uh, or hosted al-Qaeda responsible, that meant that the Taliban had to go. Once you remove the Taliban, then we owned Afghanistan. Um, and it was our problem for the next 20 years. Um, it also, that, that same rage um, uh, for 9-11 led to our invasion of Iraq, which was not a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we took out a Sunni dictator who was in a Shia-majority country. What do we think was going to happen? Well, then mm-hmm. the Shias are going to take over, and Iraq is going to be aligned with, with Iran like we see now. I mean, that's what's occurred. Uh, I don't think that uh, the, the Bush administration at the time considered that. Um, they were looking for blood because Saddam, Saddam Hussein had, had cheered on uh, the, uh, the hijackers and also for whatever uh, President Bush and thinking of his father not having gone into Baghdad and, mm-hmm. and Desert Storm. Um, all sorts of baggage with that um, that we paid for in American lives. Yeah. So much for decisions made in anger. I take your point loud and clear, as does this listening audience, I am certain. Uh, here's my exit question. Uh, assuming that this ground offensive at some point does, in fact, get underway, and I, I can't imagine that it won't, we will see how many more hostages, um, uh, innocent civilians get out of harm's way before it begins. Uh, but when you promise to crush and destroy uh, and your generals are mad at you for, for delaying uh, even by days, it's just a matter of time before this ground offensive begins. And my question is, um, how much uglier this thing is going to get. Um, they, they roll in, and Hamas puts up whatever fight it can put up, but um, how ugly is this going to get when this ground offensive commences? Well, I think it'll get very ugly. Uh, Hamas obviously knew by attacking Israel and brutally murdering its citizens that Israel was going to respond. What that should mean is that Hamas is prepared, has prepared... Um, booby traps at every turn, ambushes at every turn. Uh, There'll be civilians caught in the crossfire. They'll be absolutely ugly. Um, And enough people have been killed already. But it it will be a tough fight. And at the end of it, Hamas will probably be removed as a terrorist organization. Uh, But then you have, you know, two million people that still need uh, services and need governance and need hope. if you don't want two million people on your border who have no hope, and that's where they are right now. Yeah. Um, I lied. One other quick exit question in the 45 seconds I have left. Forgive me for lying. Um, I, I assume that you believe, I, you believe as I do, that given what they've already promised, what they've already said, and I repeat for the fifth time, that his generals are not uh, happy with him for delaying this ground offensive, I assume there's no chance that there's a ceasefire before this ground invasion is over, commences and, and completes its, its mission. There's always a chance for a ceasefire. Yeah. Always a chance for a ceasefire. Um, and, but the Israelis would insist that Hamas has to go. Yeah. And I'm not sure Hamas is ready for that. Yeah, I hear your point. There's always a chance. Uh, there's, of course, the, the issue of possibility versus probability. Uh, and on this question, I believe that uh, the chances of, uh, of a ceasefire happening before this ground offensive begins, the chances are slim to none. And sadly, slim is out of town. But that's that's my read. Uh, retired U.S. Army Major General Dana Batard has been our guest um, in the first part of this program today. And we're delighted about it. His book is called Hunting the Caliphate, America's War on ISIS and the Dawn of the Strike Sale. General Pitard, thank you for your service, first of all, and thank you for this conversation. I deeply appreciate it. So all the best to you. Thank you, Tavis. God bless you. Likewise.